The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome in. We're going to be talking about laws today and some of them that are impacting you and some uh, changes in laws that are really impacting you. Local attorney Brandon Bass is with us this morning with the law offices of John Day. We're going to be talking about medical malpractice as well as the impact of some legislation on cases that involve patients with COVID-related cases and diseases. First of all, good morning to you. Which, which mic would you like to be in? Doesn't matter. <laughs> good, good to have you with us, Brandon. How's morning, everything Bart. going? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Well, tell us. Uh, we, you've seen uh, a lot of cases with COVID and things of that sort. Uh, there's some new legislation that has come out. Uh, first of all, tell us about that legislation. Sure. One of the first things that the Tennessee state legislature did, uh, as we were all shutting down and businesses were changing practices last year, um, our office, like a lot of places, tried to figure out how to adapt to the rumors and the news. So one of the first things they passed was a law that says um, hospitals, doctors, nurses, etc., that have to change their practices related to COVID can't be sued for the unknown they can't be sued now they can be sued they can't you can't win a case against a doctor a hospital a nurse for the guesswork that they had to make in trying to adapt to changing practices from the cdc and etc um it's essentially the law already says you're only required to do what anybody else reasonable would expect of you and when it's a healthcare provider like a doctor or a nurse, it's you're only required to do what any other doctor or nurse that does the same thing would expect of you. So the law already said, with that much uncertainty and, and guesswork over how businesses and medical providers should be adapting to the changing COVID crisis, it, it was sort of an unwritten rule anyway. It was probably gonna shake out that way, but the legislature made sure to say, from a COVID standpoint, we are not going to let doctors and nurses get sued if they uh, require masks, if they make adaptations, so long as they're not reckless or otherwise um, violating basic, basic safety rules. Now, when did this go into into law? Uh, it's a great question. To my recollection is it was roughly April of last year, okay. April of 2010. How does Tennessee stack with other states. Were they passing similar legislation? There was some legislation discussed even at the federal level. I don't know, uh, state by state, you know, you haven't been able to turn on the news over the last 18 months without seeing some COVID-19 developments or... or And it changes every day. Right. Uh, And and some states have done stuff like mask mandates at the the statewide level, and some states have done county. I can't tell you what every single state has done. All I know is I've seen a whole lot of folks on TV shouting one way or the other about whether uh, one state is right or one state is wrong. Uh, the, The path that Tennessee chose was to to make sure that doctors and nurses could continue to treat patients without COVID, 
um, who didn't have COVID, continue to treat them without worrying about uh, getting sued for contaminating one, the next patient with a virus that they from the last one they'd seen. And they also couldn't get sued or didn't have to worry about getting sued uh, from for implementing basic COVID strategies in their office. Now, is this part of the reasoning behind uh, every medical facility, whether it's a doctor's office or a hospital, they are all, at least the ones around here, all are mandating that you continue to wear the mask, whether, Uh, whether you've been vaccinated or not? I don't believe so. I'd have to ask some of the doctors, but they don't really have a legal requirement to do so. That seems to be entirely within their medical judgment. What the law said real quick was, you keep using your medical judgment and we're not going to criticize you in the courtroom for it. Okay. Uh, so in exercising just their medical judgment, what they think they've said, we're better off having everybody that comes in this office wearing a mask. Looking at the history of things, and we, we don't have... A- there's not a whole lot of information to base any opinion on because this is the first time we've had anything quite like this in our certainly in our lifetime. Uh, but if you go back to uh, the what was 1913-1918 that era, where we had another pandemic, I saw some uh, old photos, and they were wearing masks yeah. back then too. But I guess because we didn't in either time we didn't know what to do. Right. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there's been a great deal of uncertainty over the last year and a half. I I can recall myself sitting around summer of last year and wondering when if we'd ever have a vaccine, knock on wood. And now the the, (laughs) knocking on wood worked. It seems we've we've got vaccines and they're available to just about everybody now, um, even the very young. Um, But even going back to I guess just over a hundred years ago is when we're talking about. Mm-hmm, right. it, it is fascinating looking at the people's reaction back then. You see um, some businesses. I've seen editorial cartoons from the Spanish flu days, writing down and saying, uh, "Please wear a mask and, and and things." Taking those basic precautions is, has been an interesting change in all of our lives. And so. The two eras were quite similar. I mean, we didn't know in either one uh, what to do, but we both eras, we did similar things. Uh, tried to wash your hands regularly, tried to wear a mask, uh, and I'm sure if we had been around in 1918, they would have been uh, as frustrated with masks as the population seems to be these, these days. Uh, it was interesting, an old photo that we saw uh, had a, a dog, someone's dog, wearing a mask also. <laughs> so, uh, which sort of showed some of the frustration that they were having. Uh, and, and are you seeing, uh, is, is this coming up in cases now in court that are being handled in Tennessee? So, over the last, um, what is it? roughly 20 months, I guess, that we've been yeah, in this least. crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, the court system has adapted spectacularly, frankly, due to the leadership from the, the highest court on down to, to every trial judge across the state. Um, within the court system, for anybody who's ever been called into jury duty or who's had a case that's gone before a jury, you know, jury, 
they send you a, a letter and they say, come down to the courthouse and be there or be square, <laughs> you will be in this courtroom and you're going to be sitting shoulder to shoulder with everybody else. Um, and even in deciding typically about whether a person can be excused because they've got a health condition, you know, if they're nine and a half months pregnant, they maybe not need to sit, be counted on sitting in a jury for, for a month, but you still have to show up, be sworn in, talk to the judge and answer some questions before they can figure out whether it's safe for you to go or you got family reasons. So one of the first fears of the judges statewide was we're going to be dragging people into the courtroom they may be elderly they may be frail they may be really really in a vulnerable group and we won't know until we dragged them in shoulder to shoulder with a group of 60 other people <laughs> so the court for a while the, the the courts just punted for a little while and said we're going to regroup we'll do some stuff on an urgent basis uh and the but don't bring in any juries just yet and then they've gradually by now, we're pretty much wide open in the court system, but it's been a gradual. Are we back to normal? It, back to normal. It, we are. Uh, we have adapted a lot, um, and every trial judge is still monitoring and making their own calls at this point. So, some courtrooms you may go in and be expected to wear a mask when you're not talking. Some courtrooms um, may or may not be expected to wear a mask, but expected to at least sanitize your hands before shaking hands with somebody <laughs> uh it's been um it's been a process when you say back to normal you know frankly i think there's a new normal every business has seen it across america there's some things that that i think at least in my profession we had a rapid fire adaptation that was probably overdue anyway there's a whole lot of time I've spent in my car staring at the windshield driving to a five-minute meeting that may be two hours away when Zoom's been around since long before the pandemic. So we've, we've adapted in ways where we can do stuff without requiring a dozen people to be in a small room together. And frankly, the benefit of that is it takes a while to schedule a dozen people being in the same room together, but it's real quick if everybody can sit at their computer and and talk that way. Is it just as effective? That's an excellent question. And I think it remains to be seen. Um, there's some stuff that, you know, we all know. There's some stuff you do FaceTime on the phone with somebody. It's not the same as sitting across a coffee table and, and talking with them face to face. And there's other stuff that you can do just as well by picking up the phone even without seeing them. So it, really, it remains to be seen where there may be gaps, where there may be parts missed is it more than effective enough yes effective enough absolutely is it as effective in every way i don't know and again in some ways it's more i would say this one of the key things that we do in in my practice we end up in lawsuits in courts and, and when you're getting ready to go to court one of the things you, you meet the other side, you interview them on the record in a formal way, and somebody types it up. They call it a deposition, but it's really just a very formal interview, right? Um, and until two years ago, it was extremely rare for that to be done any way other than sitting down in the same conference room and looking the person in the eye. Now, it's pretty common to do them just by video using the magic of the internet. Um, well, I can recall one time, I was taking a, uh, one of these formal interviews using a, a internet video in the last year and a half, and 
something that the person said made me start thinking and we took a little you know a little restroom break I jumped on the computer and typed up an exhibit and, and was able to do stuff that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you were sitting down right next to the to the other side in a conference room but I was able to put together a nice little package and say okay is this what we're talking about here and 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 made a chart that was extremely useful that would not have been an available option so there's some flexibility to being able to sit on your home turf to have everybody sitting on their home turf as opposed to everybody sitting in a, a shared conference room at a ramada um i'd say it changes i would think it would make things as you said more relaxed you're in familiar areas uh it would make it uh more beneficial for everybody both sides i think the pre-trial process and that can be months it can be years in the in certain cases or depending on how uh how hard the the lawyers are working um the pre-trial process can be very well served by all the stuff that so many businesses have had to change um due to, to covid uh, all the internet video and things like that. The courtroom process itself may be a little different. I, I heard a little story from a judge one time. He said he was trying to talk to somebody and the, their screen went black. You know, you can click off your screen on those Zooms. And then he heard a toilet flush. <laughs> so I don't. I, th there may be a benefit to having a bailiff there right. around everybody to make sure everybody's uh, uh, staying on their best behavior. Um, but for that pretrial process, there, I don't need as much windshield time in my future as I've had over the last couple decades. So that's been a, a blessing to you. I mean, you've noticed a difference. I, I think you're much more efficient if you're not sitting in the car for two hours for a five-minute meeting. Now, this is not the first time. I don't believe that we have used uh, Zoom or anything uh, a close cousin to that. Hasn't that uh, been used as sort of a regular issue, a regular route uh, with pre-trial hearings when somebody is uh, arrested and uh, they have their first day in uh, before the judge sure in the criminal arena when someone's arrested and you see it on tv a lot when you see these big high profile arrests when they're arraigned from the jail just calling in real quick that process you watch them when they are high profile they're on the news that process is what 30 seconds to five minutes so it's a rapid fire boom 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 and it may be in the middle of the night that process doesn't involve hours of questioning and things like that right so they've always used that rather than bringing in somebody who may be under the influence of a dangerous narcotic may be wanted for awful crimes just dragging them off the street and take and organizing a courtroom for that process. They've been using internet video. I assume it's internet. They've been using remote video for that for a while. We've also used it for that pretrial process and for other things. Um, it's just been rare in the pretrial process. It's been very, very rare in the past, partly because look, I, I got a bunch of cases at any given time. I'm representing a few folks trying to help them all out for each one of them. That's their only case. They don't want to, take a risk that you know if it turns out that internet video is a real bad way to go with the pretrial process they don't want to be the guinea pig and that's a that's very very fair uh this part this covid part where we've sat down and said well we got two choices we can either have everybody be guinea pigs at the same time or we can put everything off until everybody's comfortable being back in the same room together and we can count on that so it 
when I say rapid fire change, it really did make a rapid fire change within the legal profession that truly was overdue. It's just very rarely does anybody want to be the test subject to see if it all works out or if they got to start their whole case over again because it turned out that internet video, the, the microphones weren't working great, <laughs> uh, uh, that you, you didn't get anything out of it. Well, let me ask you this, too, because we're looking at still there are, you know, cases being viewed and decisions being made. And uh, should we try it this way? Should should this be a permanent way of doing things? Uh, it seems that in the past, uh, a lot of people have wanted to serve on a jury, but due to their health or due to handicaps that make it difficult for them to do that, uh, they haven't been able to do that. Do you think you're going to see a mix of jurors, some live and some uh, actually a part of the jury by way of uh, Zoom or something of that sort? Personally, so that's sort of up to each judge. They're allowed to conduct trials what they think is fair. They get a lot of leeway in order to make sure that they're doing things fairly. Um, I think that's a, a, an aggressive approach because people who serve on a jury are supposed to lock out the rest of the world. They're not supposed to be influenced by what their kids say or their spouse says. They're, they're supposed to have the rest of the world tuned out. They're not supposed to talk about the case with other folks. Well, that's gonna be real hard if you're sitting in your living room and your spouse is watching over your shoulder, right? Um, so I think jurors' involvement from remote is the last line where the judge, before the judge can be safely secure that a stranger, especially if they haven't come into the courtroom yet at all, that a stranger is gonna pay attention. They're gonna give everybody in that courtroom, all these people who have their, you know, their cases in the jury's hand, they're gonna give adequate attention to those folks and they're not gonna be influenced. They're not, they're not gonna pop open another browser window on their computer and look up at the same time and say, is what he's saying right? Is, is, it, is there actually a stop line sign at that intersection? They're gonna pay attention to just the evidence in front of them rather than doing their own investigation that the people on the witness stand don't even get a chance to answer and explain. You're looking on Google Maps right now, I understand. You see a stop sign right there, they put that in after this crash. You, you want the jury to be able to, the witnesses and the lawyers to be able to answer any questions the juries have. And if they're all sitting at home in their pajamas, I'm not sure you can reliably accomplish that. Let's take a phone call here. Good morning, you're on WGNS with Brandon Bass. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. I know people probably get tired of me calling, but you always step on my toes a lot of times. I want to actually guess something that, let me, uh, you know, y'all probably heard of a guy named Lucas McCain called the Rifle Man. Mm-hmm. I got into that. We didn't have a television back when I was young. But, well, God blessed me to get a little bit better as I got older and afford to go to the pawn shop and get a TV. You all know that I didn't realize back in the day that Lucas McCain was very, we need more parents like him. He was always sitting on the porch at night. He was smoking a little cigar or whatever. But anyway, he was reading the Bible, and he was a very strict parent. And Mark knew he couldn't just do anything because he respected his daddy because he know whatever Paul said for a minute. And I'm talking to people, 
different places, and we were saying in Bible class, if if your, if your children know that what you say you mean, that we would be a whole lot better off. Well, that's Does anybody feel me out there? Yeah, that is true. And, and, uh, I'm not sure that we're seeing that transition, though. That's what it, that's what it is. About better parents. We're seeing new ways right. to do things, but that's not right. new ways to parenting. And, and I'm going to ask you guess just real Unless quick. I'm doing that by Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guess real quick. This is a show that I didn't really watch back in the day, but I found it out within six months ago, and now I didn't got a, a gig to it. Not druggish, but watching it. I'll tell you all, listeners, let me tell you another good show to, to watch, and I want to ask you guess about this. What about Perry Mason? Well, that's a classic. Oh, if I'm right, I'm I think they did a remake of Perry Mason oh, re- recently on. I'm a, not sure. I've seen the original. Yeah, okay, okay, on the original. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I did not watch the yes. the new one, but I feel like I saw ads for it recently, so I can't. I can't say anything about that. But boy, it's a classic yes, show. It's on uh, every day practically. Yeah. And I tell you what, I tell anybody, Perry Mason was a great show, like you're saying too, for that. Back in those days, I love realness. And Bart and anybody know me. And I, but we didn't know. We didn't have a lot of people around to tell us and sit and watch TV with us. We didn't even have a television. But to let us know it, explain us. But Perry Mason, and I'm looking at it now, I said, we can see that a lot. I just like realness. Let me just explain it to you. Yeah, it is real. I mean, it's, it's, it's very thinking, realistic. That, to be back in those years, people, it's time for us to wake up. I really appreciate y'all time. Thank you for calling. You have a good day. Thank you, sir. And he brings up a good point there, too, because I've talked with some of today's kids. They don't look at those TV shows as looking real. Some of them think they are real. And I've had kids say, um, kids, uh, third, fourth, fifth grade, older kids, saying things like, well, I see the FBI shows, and I know that the characters in there are actors and things, but the police, those are real police. I can tell that. Yeah, I think that's always a a danger. Um, It's one of the most fun things to watch on TV is the the parts of life that we don't actually experience on our own. Um, And you can watch the CSIs of the world and, and, and wonder how accurate that is, but you know, I'm not paying that much in taxes to where they've got a uh, an office where I would imagine that they've got an office that looks like the the richest hotel in downtown Nashville for each police officer. I think we always got to take, take a question mark, especially for young kids, though, trying to to figure out the things they've never seen and that's their only experience with it. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're looking at the court system. We're looking at some of the changes that we're seeing, particularly brought about by the COVID pandemic. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause for just a moment, checking on the traffic and weather, and we'll be back. Local attorney Brandon Bass is with us from the law offices of John Day. If you have a question, if you have a comment, don't be bashful. 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Merry Christmas from all of us at News Radio WGNS. 
As the Christmas season is approaching, there are many parties out there and glass-minute gifts, and Demas is here to be able to help you along with all those things. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the things that we have to offer is obviously our gift cards, and the gift cards come in any denomination. We have our seasonings that makes a perfect gift. We have Demas's classic T-shirts. Demas's also now has catering to be able to serve you and to be able to take care of you. Any of this information is available online, www.demasrestaurants.com. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If your fish tank is looking a little dated, now is the perfect time to freshen it up before hosting holiday events. Here at Animal City, brighten up your living space with an aquarium. Or new background for your reptiles? Animal City would love to help you with your pet needs. And for the pet lover on your list, an Animal City gift card makes the perfect gift. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. You may think money problems are just impossible to fix. Get sound advice with Dave Ramsey, one to four weekdays, followed by certified financial planner Jason Qualls at four. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who fought in the Vietnam War. We're talking with Russell Ashton. When did you serve in the military? What branch and all of that? United States Army. I went in in 1967, and I got out in November of 1969. And my last service was over in Vietnam. I'm just uh, glad to be here. What was it like when you first went in? I was just a little country boy, just got out of high school, and your uncle called me and said, get on a Greyhound bus and go to Nashville, you know? I mean, I was frightened. I guess uh, that might be good for some people. That, that might get them closer to God to go to war. Were you in the thick of everything? I was with the 173rd Airborne Brigade. I guess you could say we were doing our share. I made 17 jumps out of the airplanes and stuff. Of course, those old TTN shoots that we had back then, buddy, you just crashed and burned. That's all it was. I mean, you hit the ground. A lot of times I think that could be a lot of my hearing problem because you jump out of a plane that's got the props or I jumped out of the C-141s. That's legit. That's a lot of noise just to walk in. To. Was that scary jumping out of those planes? Uh, 18 years old, what do you call it? Five foot ten and bulletproof. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Merry Christmas from all of us at News Radio WGNS. Hey, don't forget the Christmas parade is this Sunday. That's right. This Sunday is the Murfreesboro Christmas Parade. And Saturday night we have two more Christmas parades. Both of them are at 5 o'clock. The Parade of Lights in Laverne. And also the Eagleville Christmas Parade, 5 o'clock Saturday night. The Murfreesboro Christmas Parade, 2 o'clock Sunday. And I don't know if you've looked at the weather forecast. About a week ago, we looked at it. A little concerning there. It looked like storms and stuff like that. And we've been in those parades like that uh, 
they're not as fun as sunny ones. <laughs> but uh, the forecast has changed, and there was a big sunshine for this Sunday. And temperature in the 50s. So let's uh, all get out and wine East Main and begin the Christmas season. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. Brandon Bass, local attorney with us today from the law offices of John Day. We're talking about medical malpractice and the impact of legislation on cases that involve patients with uh, COVID-related issues. The whole system is in the process of changing, not just the legal system. I think this is pretty much true uh, in the way we do life. That, that's pretty much changing. But uh, looking at it from the legal aspect, let's, let's look at this. Uh, what's the difference between uh, a case where it involves a hospital or doctors versus other cases are are there differences other than the the subject of of the case itself uh, it's a great question there are uh, huge huge differences when you're considering filing a lawsuit against the doctor or a hospital or anybody else involved in healthcare, um, the first key thing is most of us when we're driving the jury's judging us against their own experiences as drivers and they're saying whether what, they, what you did as a driver is right or wrong, whether this driver who's accused of running a red light uh, it actually did it, whether it was justifiable under the circumstances or what have you. But when we're gauging whether or not a doctor lived up to the standards of the profession for them, we're gauging them against other professionals, right? So I've been doing this for a while now. I've, there's some cases of some uh, medical procedures I've got experience with dealing with just in the the lawsuit arena, but I don't know exactly what a doctor does that for every single type of treatment there is, and certainly everybody else. We go into the doctor and we're, we're putting our hand, our our trust in their hands to do what they should know how to handle. So when you're gauging a doctor's conduct, you're gauging them against other doctors. It means that you got to have a doctor coming into the courtroom, somebody else who does the same thing for a living and who's got the same training to say, this is not how we handle this. When you have these kind of signs and symptoms, you absolutely cannot do what this doctor did here. You have to have that. You, you get kicked out of court real, real quick if you don't have another doctor or somebody who's qualified in that arena to say, this is what we do and what they did is absolutely unacceptable the judge will require you you don't go to see a jury until you've already proven there's somebody coming in here who's qualified to, to criticize this this doctor nurse or what have you um, and then there's a whole bunch of other procedures that have to go besides bringing that person and showing that they're ready to come in judge here's what they're going to say you gotta give a lengthy statement saying this is what they're going to say and this is why it's enough for the jury to hear um, Besides that, before you can even file a lawsuit, you have to have somebody on board who's already looked at the medical records and all the available data and says, I'm, I'm a doctor in this field. I do this for a living. I've got this training. And there's a good basis for this case. There's enough here for me to have serious questions about whether this doctor did what we expect uh, of them. If you don't have that, you don't go through all the procedures, 
you can get a whole lot of trouble in a medical malpractice lawsuit. Um, besides getting your case kicked out of court, you can end up having to pay the other side for having to hire their own lawyers. Here's a question that came in from a listener on text, and they said they were involved in a traffic accident a couple of years ago, and uh, it was everything seemed to be going as it should be. Uh, the case came up, and the insurance company said, uh, we'll pay all of the bills, we'll pay to fix your car and all of this, uh, but I had to sign an agreement that uh, this money would cover everything. What we didn't expect was a few months later that I would uh, have some issues, medical issues, that uh, continue to plague me today, and they're not willing to do anything about it. What can be done to let people know not to do what I did? Where did I go wrong is what I guess they're asking. It's an excellent and unfortunate question, and I'm sorry that person is dealing with that. So in the civil process like this versus criminal, when you're going to sue somebody and say, pay my medical bills, pay for my time off work, and et cetera, at the end of the day, there's going to be one outcome, and it's forever. There's no mulligan. There's no, we found out more information, we need to come back to the court. Whether it's because you sign a piece of paper that says, I agree to take this much money in order to drop my lawsuit, I'll, I'll leave you alone, or whether it's because the judge bangs the gavel after a jury verdict, either way, it's one time. Um, and when that happens, you know, you, you need to have all your ducks in a row first. A big part of what we do is gather all that information. Um, if a person's still uncertain about what their future might look like, then the case isn't ripe to have a discussion about settlement. Um, yeah, you know, look, I can't tell anybody what's for certain what's going to happen. I cannot guarantee that when I go out to my car, somebody won't have backed into it or a pigeon won't have gotten at it. You know, I can't tell you for certain, but you got to have enough certainty about the future to say, this is what I need to take into account. So let's sit down and talk about how much you're going to pay for that. And, and frankly, the same is true for the other side, for the insurance company, for the lawyer representing the insurance company. They have to come in and say, we're pretty sure that you're going to have to deal with this, that you're going to have some problems walking down the road or getting in and out of bed at night and in the mornings. <coughs> Pardon my cough. Um, so you have to have the answers to those questions before you make a decision. If you're the person settling a case, taking money in order to drop your lawsuit, or before you ask a judge and jury to make a decision for you, you got to have all the answers enough for enough predictability that you can feel pretty sure you're not going to have to call somebody up later and say, what do I do now? It's after it's happened. There is very, very, very rarely any time when you can go back and say something's changed. And by very, very, very rarely, I mean <coughs> it is very, very rare to stop off at the gas station and buy a Powerball ticket and see the, all your numbers drawn. But it does happen. It is very, very, very it's rare. rare. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess this person, from looking at their text message, it looks as if uh, maybe some of the expenses prior to the settlement 
the insurance company was paying some of the expenses, medical expenses, uh, repairing the car that was moving forward. The car repair shop, the body shop, felt they were going to be paid or they wouldn't be repairing the car, I guess. Uh, how do you keep that going for an unknown time without settling? Excellent question. Um, well, the car should be fixed. I mean, knock on wood, it doesn't take years to fix a car. Um, uh, so the there's going to be an end in sight pretty quickly on fixing a car. On fixing a body, it's something else entirely. You know, and there's some people who are never going to stop. I mean, you have a very serious injury, a very serious illness. You may be back in the doctor's office and you know it. If you, people who lose a limb, the prosthetics that you receive after an amputation, those things aren't permanent. You go back in and have them refitted. Our body changes over time. Lord knows mine's gotten bigger in the middle and, and smaller on top of my head. Uh, we're, our bodies change, so you have to get new prosthetics and things like that. That's a bill that's going to come up down the road. You have to figure all those things out. It sounds like an open-end case. It's, Is there such a thing? It's not an open-end case. You get enough evidence, enough data in to say, this is what I'm going to need in the future, and I need this much money now to set aside to pay for it. So it's an estimate. Yes, it is. And it's either by agreement, again, or because you go in front of the judge and jury and you put on and say, listen, my doctor will tell you. My doctor's going to come in here and say, I've got to have this, I've got to take... Uh, blood pressure medicine every day and I need money to pay for that blood pressure medicine for the rest of my life you figure up and it gets a little morbid this way same thing insurance uh, life insurance folks do but you figure up how long we're likely to live uh, I realized I'm over the hill uh, when I when the number on the right side on my future <laughs> got smaller than the number on the number of years I lived in the past uh, um, so we look at those things say well look you're going to be around you're likely to be around for another 20 years you're going to need to have these medical procedures every now and then so this is what we need today so we can set it aside in a bank account and make sure that the money's going to be there five years from now ten years from now in the future just because an insurance company is willing to quote unquote pay your bat your medical bills does not mean that you've got an open line of credit for the rest of your life. They're going to give you one check, either by agreement or because a judge orders them to. It's going to be one check, and then you've got to figure the ways to make it work going forward. With one exception to what everything I just said. On-the-job injuries or workers' compensation are different. Um, they're treated differently from every other type of case there is out there. For one thing, on an on-the-job injury, your coworkers, your boss doesn't have to do anything wrong. It's just if you go to work, the the company's expected to pick up the health expenses and your time off work if you're hurt on the job. Even if they did everything they could to avoid it, it's a cost of doing business, um, particularly in factory work or things like that where they can't make it perfectly safe. But you go into a factory, you're, you're not making you know, $100 an hour where you can set aside the money for any and all contingencies. The company can be on the hook going forward. They can say, you're, you're going to pay everything that this man or this woman has, all the medical bills they've had to date, and you keep paying them going forward as long as it's for whatever injuries at issue in the case. That's the only exception. Any other time it is, 
we have to have the data in so that everybody can fairly analyze it. You can go in front of a jury and argue over who's right. The person who's hurt says, I am really, really worried that I'm going to have to have these spinal injections over and over again because my back hurts still. And the person who's getting sued, the insurance company, can come in and say, we don't think they're really going to need it. We really think this is going to go away. It hasn't gone away yet, but we think it's going to magically go away in the near future. And then it's up to the jury to decide who's more right, who's more likely right. Here's another text. This person says, I'm glad you brought up the issue of workers' compensation. It shows that different issues create different needs. Uh, with the increase in road rage, if you're involved in an accident and it involves road rage from another person, and that is a determining factor in the problems that you're having, uh, is that looked at differently? That's another excellent question. Yes, we do. The good thing about the law is, especially where the judges and juries have decided it, it's evolved over time to address, it's just our morals. It's just how we expect of folks. And we hold, we try to hold anybody accountable. Just as my parents taught me and I'm trying to explain to my kids, you do wrong by somebody else, you do your best to make it right, to put them back in the same shape that they were in if you hadn't done wrong. Even if it was an accident, and if it's something you shouldn't have done. But if it's something you meant to do, you owe them more. You owe them more than just a little apology and a pat on the back. You gotta, you're gonna be punished for what you did. So under the law, we have what's called punitive damages. Punitive just meaning punishment. In addition to what the, you're going to pay this person back with this, with this bad actor, whether it's road rage or, or what have you, where they meant to hurt somebody, you're going to pay their medical bills, and you're going to pay a fine on top of it that goes straight to the victim's pocket. Um, because we're not, we're not going to treat you the same as if you were messing with your car stereo at the time if instead you were trying to ram somebody. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to check on the traffic and weather. We'll be back for the final segment of the show. So if you have a legal question or if it's in keeping with what we're focusing on this morning, get with us quickly. Just a few minutes left. The number 615-893-1450. Merry Christmas from all of us at News Radio WGNS. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your gift needs. We have great car art, clothing, and our muck boots, and we have any kind of gift you would need for Christmas. Always don't forget our gift department. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Remember, you don't have to be a member to shop here. Come on by and say howdy to Tina Fox at the Co-op Farm and Home Center. It is your Christmas headquarters. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank. 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. 
Good morning. Still some traffic volume on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area. All that traffic coming in from Coffee County through Rutherford County towards Nashville. Just give yourself extra time. Some radar spotted a little bit earlier up and down certain sections of 840 over around Jefferson Pike. It's an underwater world of wonder at Ripley's Aquarium. Check them out at Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the low 60s. South winds are on 10 to 15 miles per hour and gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 36. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Merry Christmas from all of us at News Radio WGNS. We're talking with Brandon Bass this morning from the law offices of John Day. And I think everybody's starting to feel like maybe maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We were seeing that light a while back and then these uh, other uh, changes, mutations popped up. Are we seeing the light again and will it stay with us, do you think, this time? I, I think so. I mean, I think most... Uh, most of the folks that I see and deal with, they've adapted their work and personal lives somewhat. But I don't know many people who are uh, under mandatory marching orders to um, to follow some specific rules or anything. I, I see folks, uh, I went by and saw a relative recently back from where I'm from and she had a cough. So I just met her outside rather than uh, sitting around at the... Uh, sharing a couch or anything like that. Um, I think most people I see are taking rational protections, but are at least getting out there. Um, now, also, I've got really little kids. So, personally, I have no idea if the movie theater's packed because I don't get to go. <laughs> uh, but that's more a matter of having a babysitter than it is having a place to go. So, as we look at this situation, the pandemic versus the courts. What are we learning, uh, sort of as a review, we've got about a minute left uh, in capsule version, what have we learned from the pandemic that is going to stay with us and hopefully make our court system better? What we have learned is that the legal profession, judges, lawyers alike, can all use technology to do a more efficient job for our clients, which means our clients spending less money on lawyers, hopefully, and spending less time before they get to an outcome. We don't have to make every, we don't have to get on everybody's calendars and say, when can we all meet in this specific city and location at this exact time? Instead, it's when tomorrow can we all get on the internet and talk to each other? That makes a, a, a big, big difference in the turnaround time for folks. So it's making it easier and just as effective. I hope so. Time will tell, I guess. Yes. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today and hope you and everybody at the law offices of John Day have a great Christmas season. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Bart. Brandon Bass, our visitor this morning, right here on your good neighbor station. Truman's next. 
Stay with us. Much more to come. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow.